Storage room movie boom. I kind of like it. Yeah. You know, we can work with it. Uh, we can start with that. Love it. So let's just start from the beginning and let's say welcome to Storage Room Movie Boom. I'm Eden. I'm Sam. And today we're going to talk about the movie Zoolander. The framework of this podcast, as you will learn as this goes on, is that we talk about a movie that was pitched the former week. So last week we had three movies tied together. I pitched to Sam in secret fashion without the titles being announced, uh, The Devil Wears Prada, Zoolander, and Phantom Thread, all being inspired by felt or fabric. So Sam chose Zoolander. Wisely so. Wisely so. This is a Robard's favorite. It's a classic. Absolutely. So if I can read really quickly, the IMDb synopsis is, at the end of his career, a clueless fashion model is brainwashed to kill the prime minister of Malaysia. Accurate. Very, very. Also, just a just a great little idea for a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, as we get into it, obviously we'll see, but... Uh, Stiller really makes the most out of this concept in terms of using the fashion industry and male models. I, I mean, it's no wonder that nobody else has tried to do basically a comedy like this with the concept. The thing that was funny on a rewatch, even though, like, I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many times I've seen this movie, but I haven't seen it in a long time. And <laughs> watching it again, I was like, oh, it has a, a storyline. Like, it just yeah. becomes one of those, like an amalgam of, or amalgamation. Is it an amalgam or amalgamation? Uh, Either depends way. on what you're trying to say. Well, I'm just saying it becomes after a while when you've watched these movies, a collection of taglines and your favorite jokes. Mm-hmm. It just becomes just a, a, just a grab bag of funny shit. And they don't, they feel less strung together by story because it's not a movie where that is the point really. And I feel like that happens a lot with comedies. It can, but honestly, what what struck me watching it this time, trying to come at it with a more critical quote unquote eye, mm-hmm. is just the how well it is tied together in terms of the story. Oh, it is. Um, yeah. I mean, the the one thing that struck me just watching it, you know, in the first ten minutes, everything is set up. Yeah. The main conflict, all the relationships, everything you need to know about the movie for the remaining eighty minutes of the runtime, fully established and set in the first ten minutes. I it's absolutely. Just, fabulously you know use of you know of its time i i agree that it i don't know why i was so surprised i was like oh ben stiller like really wrote a story that was fully developed and, right but but it, for being such a silly movie you don't think about it mm-hmm. um we'll get into the depths of it but it reminded me also was i within the past year i rewatched the mask and now watching it as an adult even though we watched it a shitload as you know pre-teen yep. teenage however old we were when that came out but I remember all of the bits and pieces and I went back and watched it. I was like, oh, actually, a lot of that shit makes sense. Like, it didn't seem like random goofy stuff. Like, it actually tied in really well to his whole, you know, cartoonish persona. Yeah. And that's one thing just and I, oh, I be bet speaking the mask as, shows up on this podcast. Oh, I'm sure it will. It I'm will. sure it will. Mm-hmm. Many a Jim Carrey movie. I'm sure it will. Yeah. Um, and I'm getting ready to go off on a slightly middle aged old man tangent. Mm-hmm. But uh, it seems like. The 2000s, this movie came out in 2001, was kind of the end of an era for this type of comedy in terms of a character-based, it's almost like a narrative-driven comedy. Uh, It seems like a lot of things in the 2010s and later, and again, I haven't seen every comedy, nor have I seen the majority, but it seems 
a lot of times like it's just a series of skits tied together as right. opposed to trying to regardless of how silly or surface level trying to tell some sort of story about characters it's just here are these actors just kind of playing themselves and honestly will ferrell who is in this mm-hmm. is guilty of that 100%. a lot of times he shows up in movies now and you're like oh it's will ferrell will ferrell playing um, will ferrell playing this exactly yeah mm-hmm. i know it uh it does feel a little different from the 80s and 90s SNL character spinoff movies, you know, like the uh, you know, obviously Wayne and Garth. And even as recently as whenever MacGruber came out, which I don't remember when that was. Apparently that has kind of snuck back into the consciousness as a cult favorite. Really? I, I, don't I never think even that, saw the movie. I didn't either, but I always really liked the character and I love Will Forte. So I feel yeah. like that might be a good uh, examination. But Zoolander, even though it is like you said, is very character based in that, like, he's a very particular kind of sticky dude, but the story is really fully developed. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, and there are also just so many. His dad is so fucking funny in this. My God. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this Maury Ballstein is the character. <laughs> he is <laughs> Derek Zoolander's name. agent. <laughs> this is my favorite Jerry Stiller character. Yeah, I just think so. hands down. I know, um, you know, George's dad from Seinfeld yeah. gets a lot just. I don't know. He just gets so much more to do in this character than yes. he ever did. In Seinfeld, he was basically the guy who yells a lot. Sure. Yeah. Um, whereas he does a little bit of that here, but mm-hmm. then he's got, as we'll see, a little Godfather pastiche mm-hmm. going on. He's got some killer tracksuits, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just got, he's wonderful. He's just absolutely great. He's really good. Okay, so we've we've already diverged. But uh, so to go back over the basics... So the reviews. So once again, we'll uh, talk mad shit about Rotten Tomatoes as we move along. But I went ahead and grabbed the rating on this based on 138 reviews, which is not that many. 63%. Yeah, it's really hard when you look at some of these older films Mm -hmm. that were obviously in the pre-tomato era that just (laughs) weren't, you know, really designed or, you know, reviewed with this in mind Mm -hmm. a lot of places or at least a lot of films are um you know reviewed knowing that the tomato meter exists in one thing or another you're totally right so yeah just you know stay tuned for our patreon exclusive episode that will never happen (laughs) on why the tomato meter is bad (laughs) the tomatometer and the problems with it okay so uh just a quick rundown everybody knows this and we'll get into all of the cameos i tried to track as many as i could just while watching it oh i gave up yeah so, uh, main cast, Ben Stiller as Derek Zoolander. Owen Wilson as Hansel McDonald. I didn't realize that was even his last name. They never say it. <laughs> Hansel McDonald. Um, Christine Taylor as Matilda Jeffries. Will Ferrell as Jacobim M- Mugatu? Jacobin? Jacobim. Jacobim. Um, oh, they do say that at one part because they talk about his real name when he was yeah. in the band. Yeah. Mila Jovovich as Katinka, a name that I'm not going to pronounce because it's gibberish. And then Jerry Stiller as uh, Mari Ballstein. So, and oh, again, we'll go through all of the cameos. I'm going to try and narrow down my favorites. It's pretty tough. <laughs> oh, yeah. There are a lot of good ones. This is a perfect time capsule of the year 2001. I was thinking that, and mm, we'll get into it. Hold on. Here's some trivia, which is kind of stupid. But uh, so the tagline was 3% body fat, 1% brain activity. Oh, sorry. Before we yeah. go any further in trivia, there is a poster of Zoolander hanging up in our parents' uh, entertainment room, not two rooms from where we record this. So adjacent to the studio room. room. Yeah. Part of our name. Exactly. Because so, we're experts. Yeah. So it is uh, a verified 
justified Robart's classic. Absolutely. <laughs> We're probably the only family that has a Zoolander poster framed very nicely with like glass, not acrylic. That's okay. I take that as a badge of honor. I think so too. Um, so one of the other, one of the other bits of information, the film has been banned in Malaysia because of the use of fictional Malaysian prime minister as the subject of assassination. It was originally also banned in neighboring Singapore, but the ban has since been lifted. So, uh, understandable. They'd be pissed about that, even though he didn't get, I was going to say a spoiler warning. They don't kill him. Yeah. And he was super nice and seemed very, very thankful. Well, he very thankful, which I thought was funny because I was like. Derek Zoolander, well, he did save him. I guess he did the look at the end, but he was like, thank you so much. And I was like, I feel like there are a lot of other people there that like could have. I mean, like Hansel <laughs> stopped the music, you know. Um, OK, I'm going to read this sentence to you. It was a bit of trivia on IMDb, and I still don't know what it means. OK, I read the sentence several times trying yes! to decipher what you meant, but continue. OK, well, let's read it and then. <clears throat> Let, let's spend a small amount of time trying to to break this thing apart. This film marks an unusual historical footnote. The only fiction film featuring a man and a woman in non-archival footage who did not make a prior living as actors go on to become president and first lady of the United so, States. So, spoiler warning, they're talking about Donald and Melania Trump. Oh, Donald Trump was not I, an archive footage. He, he's a cameo. He's like the ugh, first cameo. I know. And he's at in least it they twice. get it over with quickly. But he is the first cameo. They okay. him nor Melania are actors. It was recorded exclusively for the movie. For the movie. And they, they go on to be. OK. Yeah. When I read this, I, I was mean, like, I know we all want to forget that segment of American history but mm -hmm. you know I know it, 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 I wrote know. that down in my notes I was like I fully support editing him out of this movie and actually you know <laughs> SAG is trying to pull his, his card from him oh, so I bet there will be cuts of this movie I mean if TBS plays it on loop for 24 hours I'm sure that we'll cut him out of it yeah Um. that's I'm so stupid but like because I, I pulled the the information before I had rewatched the movie. And so I was like, what the fuck is this talking about? The yeah. See, I thought you wrote that. And I said, that's the most obtuse way that she could have. No, written no, no, that. definitely. I pulled this right from IMDB. And I was like, there are so many prepositional phrases that go together that don't make any sense that I was like, what the fuck is this? No, I did not write this. Yeah. It, it's, it's sloppy, but I, I deciphered it. Yeah. It was, uh, oof. So it was released as Sam mentioned, September 28, 2001. Um, Unfortunate timing, right? Did you did you take any notes about that, or did you read anything? There about honestly that? wasn't a whole lot to take about it. The only thing, and I'm trying to remember, I could have done some more research, but that yeah, would have required more it. effort. Mm -hmm. um, was the there's a, there's a cemetery scene, yeah. looking at Manhattan, and for some reason, I want to say that that was a reshoot, like that they had the World Trade Centers in the original shot. I read that shot. they blurred them out in one of the shots. So, right. But they could have also reshot it. Yeah, maybe I'm misremembering No, 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 because it was just released could, two weeks uh, later, so they couldn't have reshot it. I bet they blurred it out in some of the uh, later releases. Um, the only other bit of information, uh, if you can call it trivia, I guess, about the release date was that it was a trailer on TV for this movie was interrupted by footage of 9-11. Oh, I did not and know that. And I was that. like, what a, what a smash cut. No, exactly. Derek Zoolander oh, to the largest American tragedy. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, no, that's not what you want to hear. 
Anyway. Yeah, there, there's so many stories you could tell about movies that happened around that time oh, sure. and as a result of that time. So stay tuned for our Patreon exclusive episode on <laughs> September 11th in the movies. That sounds horrible. I'm going to give it a new title. And then we'll get into all of the conspiracy theories. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that shit is ridiculous. Uh, so let's stop talking about that. Uh, this movie was an hour and 30 minutes. Perfect timing. Absolutely. Perfect. One thirty on the dot. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Ben Stiller. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Ben Stiller, Drake Sather, and John Hamburg. But uh, I think Ben Stiller is a—he's a good little, good little filmmaker. He is. He's he very does his good. Job. He's very good. Mm-hmm. There's another movie that he did that will probably end up, at least in a pitch, um, Tropic Thunder, which is wonderful. Oh well, so that's okay. So those those were the basics. We're past the basics. Let's uh, let's dig into it. We can either go chronologically. We could try, but I know we're well, going to do a lot of jumping around. How did you watch this movie? Um, so I started watching it, fell asleep like a fucking champ. Yeah. Uh, well, you know. Yeah. But I mean, like how? Like what? Did you use a streaming service? Did you? Yes, use... I rented it from Amazon. What did okay. you do? I watched the DVD. Oh, shit. So it does have a different cut? Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't watched whatever version you did. So. No. so did you watch any of the extra bonus footage or anything like that? No. Oh, well, no, but this one, this, this causes me to go into a bit of a divergence. Mm-hmm. In terms of how fun and creative and just bonkers early DVD menus were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you throw in a Blu-ray nowadays, it's just, here's your menu bar, pick one, you jerk. Right. You know? Whereas then, you could have some sort of weird visual flourish, mm-hmm. like this one's got a bunch of stuff going on in the background, and then you sit on the menu for a minute, and then Zoolander will come up, well, not you won't see him, but he'll do voiceover saying, describing all the options. That's hilarious. So, apparently, the play button was conceived in the old days because, quote, plays used to be movies. <laughs> And then scene selection is what you can do to skip scenes, quote, without good looking people in them. (laughs) (laughs) And then when you hit play, you know, Maury Ballstein shows up in the middle and goes, ba, 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 ba. Oh, brilliant. So you you just don't see that type of flourish added to a, you know, a physical media or, you know, whatever release anymore. And so I wanted to reminisce for a minute about just. No, that's interesting because. Magnifique. I. Don't ever watch anything on DVD or Blu-ray before, before anymore. I I just I stream everything, and also I have some Blu-ray player that Dad gave me that didn't have a remote to it. So like, if there is a menu that doesn't automatically start after a while, you just can't play it. <laughs> so like, I put in some Harry Potter movie and it just sat on the menu for like two days. Well, so. and there you go. <laughs> uh, that is interesting, though. I didn't think about that. Like, what? So like. I guess new Blu-rays just have... Yeah, you'll just get to the main menu of a Blu-ray and it just slaps, you know, you might have some moving element in the Mm -hmm. background, some footage from the movie, what have you. But then the actual selection element, it's just a bar at the bottom. You select it, you hit the button, it does it. There's there's no no extra effort. Yeah, there's no flair. They don't need to sell you on the medium anymore. Everybody's accepted it. Yeah. Early days, they're like, oh, guess what we can do? Bringing you all sorts of extra content. I hear that or people are just too lazy to like want to sit for a minute and, and, you know, enjoy something. extra. I just want to watch a fucking movie. Give me this. Give it to me now. I want to consume. Damn it. (laughs) Give it to me. (laughs) It's a great character. (laughs) I I don't know what it is. It came to me. I I had a vision. That would have been better in um, Happy Time Murders than some of the characters that were in there. Um, So... Let's start at the top. I'd like to talk about the the opening scene, which is the uh, 
the super top secret meeting of the top fashion moguls in the world, whatever the international quorum of whomever the um, I didn't realize this when I saw it way back in 2001, but the main attendee or president, let's say, of this group is clearly a faux Karl Lagerfeld, who was the uh, head creative director for Chanel for a really long time. Oh, Eden, come on. You fucking did well, this. Well, I still didn't know that. So Yeah, so but he is a very distinct look. Um, the only thing that this scene could have you know used or was missing was some sort of pithy acronym for the name of this group or this cabal. They never name them. It's no, just a yeah. group of fashion designers. Exactly. Yeah. And he was the, he was the creative director of Chanel for a long time. I mean, I think he did his own stuff as well. But um, yeah, I that, I that was one thing that I noted. The other thing that I noted during uh, that scene that I had not noticed on previous watches is no lines, but Jennifer Coolidge lineless is in one of the shots you're looking at the table of this um, is she the one on the right side yep she was um in everything i mean you recognize her from like best in show she's you know who i'm talking about right no (laughs) uh but i'll take your word for it uh jennifer coolidge she's she's just in everything she's real funny she's the she's the prettiest lady that always seems to have a swollen face um look Oh, okay. We're we're getting an audio visual. Ah, she okay. has she has an appearance is lineless, just sitting at the table up there. So, which made me think, I'm like, oh man, I hope there's some footage somewhere where she had like a really pithy line or something. Not the like only that. person that you can recognize that doesn't have any lines in this movie. Yeah, so maybe we jump into um to cameos. I got a lot. Okay, jump in. Do All it. right, I'm gonna run through these. These are in no particular order, by the way, because I kind of jump back and forth. Uh. Andy Dick. I didn't even see Andy he, Dick. Because he was in costume, he was the masseuse that was Damn it, fighting with I knew I dick. recognized <laughs> the, mas- the masseuse. I'm like, that's somebody. I know. The only that, reason yeah. I know is because on Amazon, when you stream it, if you just hover your mouse over the screen, I watched it on my laptop the second half of today, uh, it tells you everybody that's in the scene. Oh, that's some weird Skynet shit. Uh, yeah, I don't care for that. I don't like that. I didn't care for it until I recognized it. And I was like, oh my God, Andy Dick's in this? <laughs> uh, yeah, so Andy Dick. And I had read some kind of trivia earlier where he was supposed to play, I think, uh, a more involved or um, more primary character, but he wasn't available. So they just brought him in for this bit part. Oh. Andy Dick, Jennifer Coolidge, Justin Theroux is the DJ. Yes, I did know with that. With the dreads, yeah, which I love. Uh, Winona Ryder plays herself. Billy Zane, baby. Your friend Billy Zane. My friend Billy Zane. Uh, Paris Hilton, of course, makes a yeah. very quick cameo. I mean, this is like all of these are ridiculous. Yep. Uh, I just wrote down in all caps, Bowie, bitch. Um, of course. Mm-hmm. Tyrese, Cuba Gooding Jr., which is very 2001. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Gwen and Gavin, also 2001. Little dated. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Duchovny is less of a cameo because he has a bit of a character. Yeah, he's not a cameo. Um, uh, the comedian Godfrey, Lil Kim, Fred Durst, Gary Shandling, Lance Bass. That whole that whole section of everybody that's attending. Stephen Dorff. Yep. And then, oh shit, I didn't write it down. There was a woman that was next to Stephen Dorff. Hold on. It was oh Sandra Bernhardt. Yeah. Yeah. There mm-hmm. was a split second. I thought I saw Patton Oswalt. 
Ooh, maybe. Um, Which part? It is the very, and it could have just been some guy that looks somewhat like Patton Oswalt. But the first scene where it goes to the Matilda and Zoolander interview, Zoolander's getting his makeup done. Just that first shot, you see a makeup, like a wardrobe guy on the left side of the screen. It, just in passing, it's somewhat reminded me, but you don't get a good enough look oh, at the guy. So I'm going to say half a point. Okay. You know, yeah. I'm not going to give myself a full credit. One half of a point for that. Uh, so that was a long list that I just read off, but I did not look at the IMDb. I just tried to write those down as I was watching it. There are a million other people. There's definitely a couple of, of other people that I suppose would be uh, important cameos if you... Um, if you're a sports person, I feel like there was like a surfer or something that was there was a very significant point at which Owen Wilson, like in Owen Wilson's lair, when they go to mm-hmm. hide out, he's like, so and so, whatever, this guy surfed something in Maui or whatever it is. And yeah. I was like, OK, I assume that guy's a real surfer. The Little Kings yes. are an actual band. Oh, there you they, go. They played themselves in okay, that smidgen perfect. of a, the, just talking about cameos. Right, right, right. Uh, when I was watching the credits, it said the Little Kings as themselves. And I said, oh, okay, well, there you go. What, who else, did, was there anybody else you noticed in the credits that? No, not that I recall. Well, it, it was definitely <laughs> the list of people that were attending the runway show. So when it was like, ignore the celebrities and it's like Fred Durst. I was like, God, this movie is so 2001. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, cannot escape it. The fact that Paris Hilton also like... Yeah, she is very early to mid-2000s. She's very Paris Hilton. Yes. Um, My favorite, if I can... Out of that quick list, who's who's your favorite cameo? Goodness. Uh, I'm going to say Natalie Portman. Oh, that's right. She looked like a kid in it, didn't she? She was a kid. Oh, that's right. So I guess <laughs> she was two years off the Phantom Menace. So she was like what twenty? Oh shit! Was she that old? She's either one of our ages or in between us. I think. Okay. So two thousand one. I was I was twenty. Okay. Well then, yeah, late that teens, that early twenties. Yeah, but she looks very young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with that hair. <laughs> very. Funny. Yeah, she. Yeah, she was definitely a kid. I think um, Billy Zane was my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. He, he was good. He's just so good looking. In would, a very I, I feel like way. he should have done more. Like he should have been Did he? not necessarily. Well, I, he was. You know, the immortal movie that is the Phantom. Uh, of course, <laughs> I think that's not going to fucking show up at one of these days. It will. Yeah, it's going to be like a trio with that, the shadow, and uh, oh, there's probably another third Ooh, radio uh, serial. Something in the world of tomorrow, Sky Captain. In the oh, world of tomorrow. Sky that's Captain. That's a perfect trilogy. Yeah, that's a perfect trilogy of pitches. Oh well, shit. Well, one of us has to do it now. Um, oh, that's a good trilogy of pitches. I know. Yeah, they're all shit movies. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I can't help but watch The Phantom if I see it on TV. Well, so do you have the same memory that I do? It was about Christy Swanson. Yes, I do. <laughs> No, no. Although she is great. Um, no, the the thing that sticks out most in my mind about that movie was when we moved to Korea. Sidebar, everybody. We lived in South Korea when we were in high school and we were severely jet lagged that first day or two there. And I remember that me, you and mom all woke up at like four in the morning because we were jet lagged and we all just were like awake. And the only thing that was playing on the Armed Forces Network was the Phantom. <laughs> so we just sat down and started watching this. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. We were just like, it doesn't matter. It's not good. We literally have no other options. Yeah. Well, I I had seen it by that point probably a dozen times 
just yeah, I remember seeing it for the first time there. No, I had seen it a lot previously when it had come on TV, um, just on very Actually, TNT. That doesn't surprise me because everything was like a that. rerun there. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, should have known. Uh, yeah, so another Robards memory for that. Um, yeah, so that opening scene with the uh, the top secret society of of international fashion designers and their their um, task to take out the Malaysian prime minister because he is raising the uh, the pay for child workers and trying to eliminate child labor is pretty hilarious. I think yep. it's a great uh, great premise. I think to uh, start the movie. Um, yeah, you're right because and I wrote down an order of my. Oh, yeah. So this one I, I omitted from the cameos, but it was the Trumps. And I was yep. like, Trump. And I was like, I call for editing him out, especially if SAG kicks him out. So I'm good for that. Ugh. And yeah. Mm. Yuck Ola. Yeah, basically. Um, one of my other. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, my note is damn, Trump shows up early. <laughs> sure does. There are two scenes. Well, one is the red carpet one at the very beginning, and they yep. talk to him. And then there's another one where they either see him. Like inside that same club or at that same show or something, and I'm like, he better not show up anymore. I don't remember seeing him a second time. It wasn't he wasn't speaking. It was just like I mean, even in a quick shot. Know. Okay. The reason why I remember the SAG business is because they talked about cutting him out of um, Home Alone Two. I do remember that conversation. Mm-hmm. I know Macaulay Culkin was pushing pretty hard. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, man, everybody hates you. Get the fuck out of my movie." Ooh, Home Alone. Well, you guys rewatched that this season. Yes, we did. Oh, I haven't seen it in a long time. Is it as good as you remember? Yes, it's still good. It's still good. My kids loved it. Who do you like better, Joe Pesci or Daniel Stern in it? Damn, that's a good question because they're both playing different, you know, yeah. archetypes. Mm-hmm. Really depends on what your mood is. If you're up for the more physical slapstick, then it's definitely Stern. If mm-hmm. you're going for the more, you know, audible Joe Pesci screaming guy comedy, then love it. there it is. I don't know. I'm I'm such a big Pesci fan. Well, then there there you go. There you go. Fucking Pesci. My other note that I wrote down pretty early, I wrote, is this peak Owen? What's the most Owen Owen movie? Now, he's made a lot of Wes Anderson movies. Mm-hmm. And he was great in quite a few of them. It's probably one of those, honestly, though. It might be. It's just, you know what? It's been a while since I've seen him. And I just enjoy him so much. Honestly, we'll probably come around to this again, but the only Wes Anderson movie I really like is Life Aquatic, and that's the one that nobody likes. You you know what? There is a, I think, a very almost scientific equation for people's favorite Wes Anderson movie, and it's typically the one that they started with. Whatever the first one was that you saw is typically the one that you like the best. So I actually haven't seen Life Aquatic, but I've seen a lot of the other ones, and I started with Royal Tenenbaums, and that one's my favorite. I tried to watch Royal Tenenbaums and fell out real fast. But that's the thing. I feel like had you seen that one first? No, I tried to watch that one first. Oh, really? Yeah. I just, Hmm. It was just not my my speed. Well, I mean, they're all they're all good. I even liked um, Darjeeling Limited. I don't think a lot of people like that one, but I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe one of those is probably the most Owen Owen movie. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I wrote down, I was like, who the fuck is Todd? Who is Mugatu's assistant? Yeah. Love him. Yep. He does a wonderful job. So I looked him up and uh, I should have recognized this because uh, there's a series that uh, is going to second season. But the first season of Woke is on Hulu with uh, Lamorne Morris from New Girl. It is so fucking good. And Sashir Zameda is in it. 
oh my god it's fucking awesome but he plays a role in that and I, I realized now I was like yeah I hadn't seen him in a while but he shows up in that okay. and then there was like one other movie from like 2005 and I was like he needs to work more because he's fucking great I agree he is really good that scene where <laughs> Will Ferrell throws the latte back at him oh yeah and There's they make those so fucking much. faces at him. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it's brilliant. There's so much good face acting and eyeball acting in this. I love it. Yeah. Well, here, just kind of jumping back to the, to the topic of cameos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you remember in the opening runway scene, you mm-hmm. know, they're going through all cameo palooza, one thing or another. Yeah. They've got a bunch of protesters there protesting Mugatu and the other. Yes you know, people on behalf of Malaysian children. Right. And this woman comes up and throws an egg at Mugatu and hits his dog with yes. it. That is Ben Stiller's mom. <laughs> that's that throws great. the egg. That's great. So that's, uh, I thought that was a fun little bit. That is I, I really forgot funny. about that when you were talking about cameos. So, Oh, you know what? Yeah. Actually, that was one of the other um, bits of trivia that I, I read was that, um, so his mom was in it and I believe his sister and brother-in-law, he fit in there somewhere as well. Which I was like, that's kind of cute. He's got a whole family affair. I'd be curious to know who the brother-in-law is. I'm mm, wondering I mean, if it's not his other brother. No. You know who that is? No. So one is obviously Vince Vaughn. The other is Judah Freelander. I don't know From who that is. 30 Rock. Yeah, I didn't You would recognize him now. He looks totally different. He always wears a stupid hat and he has long scraggly hair and glasses. So what do you got next? Uh, the dog. <laughs> yeah okay let's get he, into he's it he's got a or mugatu has a small uh, i guess it's a toy poodle yeah. I, I don't know the breed but uh it's definitely a poodle or a poodle offshoot and the that i, I apologize we refuse to give full context to the opening runway scene it's for the uh oh shit who's the one it's, it's the vh1 awards because yes. vh1 mm-hmm movies or VH1 films produce the thing and I don't think they produced anything else after You're that. right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole initial plot is that Zoolander's won the Male Model of the Year award three times in a row and he's going up for his fourth. The competitor for the award is Hansel who is the kind of hot new thing. Uh, you know, he's so hot right now. So while this is kind of going on the award ceremony is going on uh, Mugatu is talking to Moy Ballstein, apparently his kind of partner in crime who has helped him brainwash all of these male models throughout the last three decades to perform various hit jobs, assassinations, right. whatever. We're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, he hangs over Moy's shoulder and Mugatu's head is over Moy's left shoulder and over his right shoulder is this dog. This dog looks drunk. Or high <laughs> during this entire scene, it is just his eyes are blinking real slow and just kind of moving real. Like I'm wondering if they didn't give this dog some sort of sedative or something prior to the scene. It's just it's so funny. It's got this look on his face. That's, I'll have to go back and watch that because I was definitely, obviously, as I think most people were looking at uh, Will Ferrell in that moment. Yeah, I always look at the dog. I, <laughs> I just I look at the dog. Fuck anybody else it, looking at the dog. Yeah, that, that scene especially. Because just in every other scene the dog is in, uh, it's got the same look. It's just, you know, drunk, small animal. That's amazing. It is a little tiny poodle, little toy poodle. Okay, the part of the dog was played by a 10-year-old female poodle named Kiva. 
All right, then, Kiva. Fantastic job with the physical comedy because you may not have had any lines, but damn if you weren't funny. So it makes sense that she's 10 years old because uh, she's like, I'm fucking over it. She's like smoking cigarettes in between takes, (laughs) killing it. So I did find a bit on um, on Ben Stiller's sister, Amy, played one of Hansel's friends in his loft. And then his brother-in-law, Mitch, played the director at the very end when they're filming the commercial for the Zoolander. There you go. So, I mean, bit parts. Like, I mean, they may have had two lines, if that. Uh, but I thought that was cute. That uh, basically roped the whole fucking family in. It's almost like a Coppola production where he yeah. would bring in all of his family members mm-hmm. just to make a movie. It's, <laughs> it's nice to hear. <laughs> if we, if somebody pitches Godfather 3, wow. We never watched that one. Our parents made us watch Godfather 1 and 2. Like, sit down. You're going to watch this damn movie. Necessary learning. And it was worth it. Oh, no. Godfather and Godfather 2 are fantastic films. But even then, they were like, we're not going to watch Godfather 3. Don't worry about that. And I think most people would agree. The only thing is I kind of want to watch it because I hear it's like really bad. But uh, some of the interesting things is poor Sofia Coppola. Everybody hates on her because apparently she's very bad in that movie. She plays uh, Michael Corleone's daughter. Um, but it turns out she's not a fucking actress. She's a great director. So she yeah. was like, fuck this shit. I'm yeah. out of here. But also I hear that I forget who it was. There were several other actresses that uh, were supposed to play that part and they all bailed. So Francis Ford Coppola is like, sorry, girl. Yeah. Got to hey, get sweetie. you in there. You owe me. <laughs> Guess who paid your rent for your first however many years of life? <laughs> Well, what do you got next on your list? I'm well, I'm a little um, bit all over the place. This is a little bit harder to do because we've seen this movie so many times. Exactly, so running and through. I was almost a little bit afraid of this, but yeah. it's okay. So Zoolander loses the award mm-hmm. and Hansel kind of exits the movie for a while and we'll kind of come back to, to that. But the immediate scene after he wakes up in his loft and he's got three roommates <laughs> and one of them is a young Alexander Skarsgård. Oh, shit. <laughs> so that was another bit That's of trivia. Meekus. Yes. Yeah, his friend That is Meekus so is fucking Alexander funny Skarsgård. because I looked at those guys, didn't look them up. I just looked at them and I was like, oh, there's so many cameos in this. Surely I'll recognize these guys. Nope, nope, nope. But he's so much younger and he is. thinner. Yeah. That's the thing. That's, he's so thin. You wow. do not recognize him. And his hair is like the same color as his skin. He's just yep. like a Swedish popsicle or something. Exactly. Like that. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah. So there's another little cameo slipped in. That's amazing. Zoolander's all depressed because he lost the award mm-hmm. and he is looking to kind of almost refocus his life. He wants to, you know, help underprivileged children learn how to read, <laughs> something like that. He, he's really Brilliant. just kind of you know, distraught over losing this award. Mm -hmm. So his friends take him out for orange mocha frappuccinos, which sounds like the most disgusting beverage. Sure does. I'm sure that's with intention, but uh, Um, yeah, gross. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, second, gross. And so they have, you know, first of all, Wham! makes everything better. Wham! It's them driving down the road in a Jeep 4x4, hoods off, or the tops off, you know, they're drinking these drinks. They go to a gas station. They start having a water fight. Basically what you would see in a lot of almost like early 90s lame commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, then the guys think it would be a great idea that while they're filling up gas to pull the gas out of the car and just That's start great. spraying each other with it. That's great. Zoolander is off, you know, contemplating because in a first scene he sees uh, he's speaking with Matilda Jeffries. Correct. She is interviewing him. She is a reporter for Time Magazine talking to him just about himself. It's a profile Mm -hmm. piece. 
and he sees the final cover and it's basically a model idiot basically making fun of how stupid he is because he is um (laughs) so while he's off doing that they've gotten into a gasoline fight Zoolander looks back, one of his buddies lights a cigarette, the entire gas station blows up and they all die. It's great. <laughs> great. One of my favorite parts. <laughs> it's, it, it's great. Um, I don't really have anything to say about that scene. This, <laughs> I mean, it almost speaks for itself. It's hard to uh, describe it in a better way. And it's one of those things, you just got to see it. It's brilliant. And I, yeah. I think there's no better car than a fucking Jeep for those guys to be riding around in. Yep. And Absolutely. I also it's love a Jeep Wrangler. It's a Jeep Wrangler. Ugh, I get a theory about Jeep people, but it's just that I don't care for them. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, a, I, was, I was this close <laughs> when I was in high school to uh, test driving, if not buying a Jeep Wrangler. So the thing is, they're cool cars, but I feel like ninety percent of them, not all of them, ninety percent of people that have Jeep Wranglers or like that I know they don't make Humvees or H3s anymore but like those big ass cars live in cities or like nowhere where you would actually utilize True. that, that I, that's the that's it was a the, status symbol car totally yeah. also I'm like god it eats up so much gas why you fucking need that I mean if you got enough money to buy the car then you got enough money to waste on the gas right I don't know when I was watching it I was like I guess I never really thought about it but is gas yellow no I, I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> something like orange juice okay or because when it was something. coming out I was like is that something I just learned from Zoolander? No, no. no. It, it, I doubt it looks like that. Yeah, I see. I'm pretty sure it's it a well. semi-clear, almost like a a light whiskey color. I think delicious. Oh yeah, it smells that way too. <laughs> yeah, no, you're fucking weird. Um, yeah, great scene. Love it. Cannot believe I didn't recognize Alexander Skarsgård. That was I so know. stupid. Total failure. So, kind of setting up things. His friends die in the accident. They switch to the aforementioned funeral scene there mm-hmm. on the uh, the river in New York. Yep. Um, Zoolander kind of announces that he's retiring, uh, you know, from modeling, just given everything. Goes to what they call like hard coal miner country in southern New Jersey. Jersey, I know. Uh, it's clearly not southern New Jersey, mm-hmm. but they, they label it as such. Right. And he meets up with his dad, who is played by... Um, John Voight and his brothers. One is Vince Vaughn and the other being... Judah Freelander. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing that I love is they all have the same damn hair. Oh, I know. I forgot about that. <laughs> that was one of the little things that I was like, God, that's fucking great. It's yeah. such a nice, tiny little touch. Like Zoolander has gone into the mines to try and work coal with them. And it's just hilarity ensues. Well, there is a weird scene in there while they're in the mine. Where he's um, covered himself up in. Yeah. So there's um, I wasn't sure at what point we were going to talk about this, but uh, that's the most explicit blackface. But even though it's not meant to mimic another. Right. I don't think it's that, not... that part is blackface per se. He is just he covered himself in soot and put himself against the wall where his dad was going right. to start drilling. And he jumps out and yells surprise. Exactly. To surprise him and scare It's him. still. Connotes a little something to be covering a white person's skin with like that. So, and I agree with you. I don't think he's meant to. The intent is not there then. Yes. Then. Later. There's a later. I don't know. Do we want to jump? I mean, we're we're going and talking about offensive things. So, like, maybe let's go ahead and talk about that. I mean. So, uh, later in the movie, um, just a little sidebar where Ben Stiller and uh, Owen Wilson need to sneak into... um, Ballstein's office right to get into the computer and uh, Derek says I can 
you know, make us up and put us in disguises. I get it. It's clever because they have two different actors mm-hmm. playing these two other actors. But I, I it's, it's a weird. I don't, I don't know how to take it. The. Yeah, essentially, they they sneak into Ballstein's office trying mm. to get access to the computer, like Eden had mentioned. And it's a Latino guy and a black actor. Mm-hmm. And it's the implication, of course, is that Zoolander made them up to look exactly like these guys. But they're they're completely different actors. It is right. not them. But once they're in the office, mm-hmm. Zoolander and, and Hansel wipe a little bit of the makeup, makeup off, off their, their face, face. But you still see a lot of the makeup. Yeah. And then they do a pastiche of 2001 A Space Odyssey, try, them trying to get into the right. computer right. where they make ape-like noises and hit the computer. I know. And if you're reading into it, you could see something there. I, Gosh, I, I find it hard to bl- say that, oh, this is, you know, a pa- I will it say all I, depends on how you take it, of course. Totally. I don't think intent was there. I don't. And I think I think that the 2001 reference, even though they're the they're essentially part of the same scene, somehow they feel a little divided because by the time that they start doing the 2001 parody, mm-hmm. where because if anybody has seen 2001, there are apes you've at that, least seen the first 10 minutes, which are probably the good. 10 right. Minutes. So you see apes trying to get at this obelisk that has mm-hmm. appeared on Earth and they're doing the same thing with these two idiots trying to get into a computer. So it feels to me like there's a little bit of separation and maybe it's only because at that point they're no longer like removing the makeup from their faces. Like they seem a little more clean at that point. Mm -hmm. But the scene that you were just talking about where you see them like removing the makeup, but it's still kind of there feels iffy. Yeah, I'm I'm. I I almost think the entire sequence would have been better if they had just kept the other two actors and just had them stay in costume. Stay in costume, and then you hear superficial Ben and Owen's voices. Exactly, just dub them over like they did previously in that in that scene. Yeah, because you see Godfrey making the funny faces and stuff like that to Ben Stiller's voice. I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that was a hmm. yeah. In my notes, I was just like, ooh blackface what yeah if if you're looking for it you can see it it's not the most overt obviously right there are other movies that have done far worse and more horrendous things right um but it is certainly questionable right it straddles a line certainly i think problematic on on some sort of surface you know what i mean one of my other notes I just wrote tiny phone for the win. It's such a stupid bit. It's so stupid, but I love it. I also love that it's not only a tiny phone, but it's a tiny flip phone. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And it just has one light that says call. I know. (laughs) That's all it can fit on. it. It's very adorable. What's so interesting about this movie, especially when you look at it compared to its sequel, um, is that there is so much kind of interplay between the two. Um, a lot of it, of course, is the second one commenting on things that happened in this one or things around this one mm-hmm. just as a, a time capsule, so to speak. But you can almost argue that it's, you know, going the other way, too. Uh, and the small phone is one of them. Oh, really? Um, I haven't I, seen the second one. Oh, well, shit. Then I'm not going to talk anymore. But <laughs> um, I don't care what the stupid tomato... And I keep hitting my Tomatometer? Tomatometer. I don't care what that <laughs> says. Um, it's funny. It's not as good as this one, but it is funny. Okay, so got it. So I'll probably slide that into a pitch somewhere. 
uh, unless you slide into one of yours and I end up picking it again. Right. Um, but it's definitely worth watching. I'm definitely interested. Is, I remember yeah. when it came out, I was like kind of excited. I was like, all right. I mean, it's again. If we're talking about long overdue comedic sequels, it is a hundred thousand times better than Anchorman 2. Yeah, you told me that. I avoided watching the second one because I was I was worried about that. It's bad. Yeah. It's, it's bad and it made the first one worse by watching it. Yeah, that's what you said. That's um yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? If Anchorman makes its way into one of these, I mean, can you not just appreciate it for its original glory? We'll we'll see. We'll see when <laughs> I, I I couldn't tell you the last time I watched the original. I have not watched the original since the second I watched the second one. Oh, really? it, it is soured it for me. So I haven't if seen... we have to for this, mm-hmm. I will reevaluate it. Okay. Um but yeah, that's that's another one where so much outside stuff is almost affected in the fact that Ron Burgundy is an internet meme at this point. It just makes you wonder if it this the bit hadn't been you know, just dragged through the dirt at this point. You're right. I um, wish that I wish that he hadn't done that. Not that it's not a good character, but I feel like it just changes it looking back on the original run. Yep. Yikes. So we went off course a little bit here. Oh, sure did. I guess one subplot that we we neglected to mention mm-hmm. is that, uh, of course, Mugatu is wanting to get Zoolander because he's the only one dumb enough to be trained in a short enough amount of time to be able to assassinate the Malaysian prime minister. Right. So as soon as he has this falling out with his dad, he gets a call from Mori to kind of go back in because Mugatu really wants him to do a, a new campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes back to New York and Mori had kind of briefed Mugatu on why he left the scene. He was looking to, you know, gosh, what's the, what's the line? Uh, talking about teaching underprivileged retards or some shit. <laughs> oh my god! Very not PC no. line again. Very two thousand one. Very two thousand one. Um, so he comes back, or Zoolander comes back to New York City, sitting in Mugatu's office, and Mugatu's basically, oh gosh, honestly, Mugatu is probably Will Ferrell's best character. Yeah. Um, and the fact that this was when right when Will Ferrell was ending his career on Saturday Night Live. I yeah. think he left in 2002. Okay. Um, and this movie, of course, came out in 2001, would have been record, you know, filmed prior to. 2000, yep. Um, just being a pure character instead yeah. of, as we mentioned before, playing Will Ferrell. Right. Um, he's just so good. He's got so many little mannerisms mm-hmm. in his face and this is physical comedy. There's so much to love about it. But essentially, Mugatu pitches Zoolander to come back by building him a model or a replica of <laughs> a you know a reading center for underprivileged children. <laughs> Such a the, nice the way to Derek put it. Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good and want to do other stuff good too. Exactly, and uh, Zoolander takes the model, throws it on the ground, says, "What is this? A center for ants?" It's brilliant. And Mugatu and his assistant just look at each other. With this, what the fuck the is happening? Amazement on their faces. <laughs> They're just shocked at his stupidity. And it is so brilliant. I, I will say one of my notes, uh, being someone that's in the architecture business, something known as a gestural architecture with the, the book on top and the large D and Z. Yes. Honestly, not a bad fucking building. <laughs> I mean, I've seen worse. Definitely seen worse. In Atlanta, especially. Oh gosh, absolutely. Uh, in that scene, another um couple of notes and I think that this may be a question for us uh, when we start to round this out which is um, did you have a favorite outfit or piece of clothing for this? 
because this scene has two of my faves. One is the silver suit that Ben Stiller is wearing. Two okay, good. is uh, Will Farrow's Mugatu wears a number of corsets and yep. they look great. <laughs> brilliant because that man does not have a curve on his body at least not where the hips should be right. and they it's just so ridiculous looking in the best way i love it yeah that's what i, I couldn't say that i have a favorite outfit uh i'm not programmed that way it's too bad but I, I can agree with the silver suit absolutely great do you think this is the best movie ever for razor scooters yeah, uh, once again, time capsule of 2001. Mm-hmm. I know Razor Scooters are still around, but in 2001, they were the hot shit. It was the guys. hottest shit. The hottest shit. I did write down, um, Relax is a great song. Yes, it is. This this movie has a fantastic soundtrack, and maybe that's the VH1 part of this in terms of VH1 I productions. I bet it is. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, it, just in terms of the music they play, it's an 80s and 90s cornucopia of goodness. So if we move forward a little bit, Derek goes back, uh, and I don't think we have to go beat for beat through the through the plot but he goes back and he's at a pre-show party i believe and or he's at one of the parties and that's when he runs into hansel and they decide to do a walk-off and that's where you meet billy zane and winona Ryder, paris hilton whatever uh one of my notes during the walk-off which i know is cheesy and they do the split screen and they're you know mimicking each other's movements i fucking loved it and i laughed my ass oh, off it's wonderful uh and while the last bit I find to be the least funny part when Hansel sticks his hands in his pants and then moves around and then pulls his underwear out. My note on that is yeah. why is that a fashion move? Agreed. It felt just like a silly thing because the rest of it, they're they're being physical. There's like even though some of it is like kind of martial artsy or whatever it is. Right. There's something about movement and projection and like moving down this runway or running up a wall and flipping over. You know, there's something about that that seems to align with what it means to be a model and move forward mm-hmm. versus this one part. You're absolutely right. I, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Just to, to fully explain the context of it, you know, the, the walk off is where they go to this old warehouse where it's basically just a runway and a bunch of people around. They're taking bets, like, you know, almost like a cockfight or something that's really hush hush underground. David Bowie comes up and they use quote unquote old school rules where (laughs) one guy will do a walk, the other guy will duplicate and then elaborate. So which is where a lot of this, you know, physicality comes in. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, just when the sequence needs to end, (laughs) Owen Wilson with probably the funniest expression on his face. He's got the crazy eyes like he he wouldn't believe. He just walks to the end of the runway, just normal walk, just as Eden was saying, shoves his hand in his pants jiggles around a little bit and then pulls out his tidy whities Yeah. So my note for so, that is I wrote down, he's a model. Why isn't his underwear more chic? Yeah. I mean, Zoolander was wearing leopard print, man. Yeah. <laughs> Derek had some fly underwear. Hansel had some like tidy whities that were clearly like cheap white cotton. Yeah. They looked like it looked like a rag for your workshop. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, to be fair, though, Hansel's character is meant to be very... He's supposed to be earthy. ...laid back and kind of, I don't really give a crap about any of this. Like, he'll he'll wear what they wear, you know, they tell him to wear or what he wants to wear, but he's not going to, like, put a whole lot of effort Well, he's supposed it. to be bohemian, which they've, they've reinforced through the whole movie, but that's why I'm like, I don't feel like that dude would be wearing underwear in the first place. That's true. That's true. Mm, breaking character. I know. Not cool, Stiller. Well, David Duchovny gives Matilda Jeffries a call. Uh, she's investigating one thing or another, trying to protect Zoolander. 
On the nose, but perfect casting for Duchovny. Oh, perfect casting for Duchovny. And I was going to say, he's never just been one of my favorites, never one of my go-to guys. Agreed. I just, I feel kind of, uh, you know, apathetic. Now, did you recognize? Go ahead. John Wilkes Booth? Yep, sure did. Uh, It was the guy whose name I can't remember. James Marston. Yes, of course. The beautiful one with the cheekbones. Yeah. (laughs) I wrote down, what's his name from teen movies and also played Chris on 30 Rock? And that was what... Man, that is now, you know, my first mind was like uh, X-Men and Westworld and Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, my God. Uh, so many better movies than what I just references <laughs> from teen movies, because I feel like he was in like Disturbia or one of those. Oh, my God. That's fairly funny. I didn't even think about fucking X-Men. I know. Oh, my God. Failure. So Duchovny comes in, does a great job. Oh, I love absolutely. the hand model bit. I think it's funny. I love his like hyperbaric chamber for his fucking hand. I love the fact that his hand is perfectly preserved and his teeth are horrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a disgusting human, but that hand looks amazing. Our mother has worked in dental, you know, in a dental practice for the last 25 years. Mm -hmm. So we are trained to look at someone's teeth. 100%. So whenever something like that is Mm -hmm. meant to draw your attention... We yeah we can't help yeah, but notice you it. can't help but notice and that goes for good and bad because sometimes people yep. their teeth like listen I like this guy a lot Walton Goggins his teeth are too white and too big they're giant and they almost look blue they're so white I also don't know who that is I feel like a lot of your references are going on uh, you you would recognize him he um, yeah probably he's from Georgia he's from Jackson Georgia baby um he was in the Shield a long time ago. I remember the show, but I never watched it. Mm. I always just remember Michael Chiklis with being in that. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Great guy. Oh, yeah. I, I totally know him. <laughs> I just talked to him the other day. He just seems like he'd be a cool dude. There's <laughs> 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 like short, stocky, bald dudes that are just yeah, like, there you go. we're getting shit done. All right. So they're warned. And then they, is that when they go into hiding? And they Yes, because yeah. um, this is a plot inconsistency, I will call it. Okay. Because essentially the shtick, at least with Mugatu and Balstein, is Mugatu or, you know, Mugatu and Balstein would work together. Balstein would give him a model. Mugatu would train him to kill somebody. After the assassination's done, his assistant, Katinka Inka Nagovna, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> um, played by Mila Jovovich, remind me to come Killing back to her it. in a minute, yep. um, would kill them to get rid of the evidence. Correct. What she's trying to do at this point in the movie is kill Zoolander, but they don't say why because he hasn't killed the Malaysian Prime Minister unless she's going after Matilda, but they never tell you that because they frame it as in Matilda is trying to protect Zoolander. Right. So uh, they, they don't provide clarity on that. Again, you are right. Yeah. yeah, Cause they'd start shooting at them in the cemetery. Mm -hmm. Um, They hit Duchovny. Which sure I guess do. something happens to I him. I guess something happens they to just, him. They just kind of fucking leave him there. What a great there. spinoff. I want to know what happens to that guy. Exactly. You know? I feel like as soon as Derek steps on his hand and it's exposed to the elements, it just shrivels <laughs> and hides under a house. <laughs> um, so while we're, while we're talking about Mila Jovovich and we mentioned Mila Jovovich. She's great in this. Yes. Role of a Why lifetime. didn't she do more comedy? Like she's great, especially in terms of physical comedy. comedy. Like she's got a lot of great expressions and just mannerisms and the accent. Why did she go to do a bunch of cheesy action schlock? Well, I think I, I she is married. Her husband yeah. did direct it. He's like, hey, right. you know, you want to do this? I get a for anyone yeah, else. I know, right? <laughs> He's like, you kind of owe me. I was tempted to put 
ultraviolet in my pitches this week. Really? I didn't. <sighs> okay. Because well, I didn't want to subject myself to that. Well, I haven't seen it, but I heard it was bad. I know. I heard it was bad as well. It. I would like, I mean, I love a, a good bad watch, you know. I, I mm, there's very few movies I can do that with. I know. That's why it's it's hard for me to pick a bad movie. Yeah, anyway. it, it should be something to explore. But I, I 100% agree with you because I had the exact same thought when I saw her and like um, she I mean, she's just killing it with like the ridiculous outfits and the mm-hmm. crazy makeup. And she's just so like over the top and expressive yep. and like so cartoony. It, it completely fits perfectly well next to Will Ferrell yep. and their their team that they've developed. It's fucking great. I still love the fifth element. Oh, multipass? Lilu multipass. Oh, my God. Oh, can we just watch that every single week? <laughs> Guys, this is now a fifth element podcast. <laughs> it's called the storage room multipass room. <laughs> and, and we're also going to forget the Valerian and the Thousand Sons. Or I do want to watch that one because it sounds terrible. I saw it. It was completely forgettable. It was beautiful. Like in terms of what it looks like, yep. it mm-hmm. looks gorgeous. Right. But there's not much else going on there. Multipass. Oh, Fifth Element's totally making its way in. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to try and decrypt your, uh, you know, pitch for that one. I may sneak it in every forever. week. Every single week. <laughs> we may watch it more than once. I don't know. I love it. There's a lot to dig into. And I've rewatched it recently and it's uh, Chris Tucker fucking killing it. Oh, yeah. Bilbo Baggins. Love yep. it. Rest in peace. There's so much good stuff. Uh, yeah, but I agree. I feel like uh, Mila Jovovich, um, she, she's got a real fucking flair for comedy. Yep. Yeah. She really did. Listen, Mila, listen to us. We know what we're talking about. There's a couple of great comedic bits I could point out. I love the shot. uh, Well, first, when they are driving around after they leave the cemetery, uh, Zoolander and Matilda, Mm -hmm. they have a Brady Bunch joke that uh, they stop real suddenly. A bus passes in front of them with Hansel on the side. It's Mm -hmm. It's a bus ad. And then Zoolander goes, Hansel, everywhere he goes, Hansel, Hansel, Hansel. And they look at each other (laughs) because she she was in the Brady Bunch movie. Yes. Uh, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. That's great. I did not even pick up on that. Oh, dude, how do you not? I don't know. So, yeah, Brady Bunch joke. It surprised me watching this again. And I don't have the exact timestamps, just looking at like the scene numbers and everything. Mm This is halfway through the movie before Hansel and Zoolander really get extended screen time together. It it just surprised me because when you think of this movie, you think of the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not near as much as him and Matilda. Yeah, it is the last, well, the last act of the movie when they join forces and yeah. come together. Yeah, it is kind of interesting the way that that happens because you don't really notice or maybe it's just on a rewatch because, again, we've seen it so many times. We think about just the two of them. Yep. But you're absolutely right. And I don't I wish I could, like, you know, think back to the first time I saw it where it's like, do you really feel even connected to Hansel at that point? Because you haven't seen him a lot and you're not totally invested in him. Right. But Owen Wilson gives such good face. The scene where Matilda reveals that she got bulimia <laughs> while she <laughs> was a teenager because uh, models made her feel bad about herself. Right. <laughs> and Zoolander just goes, you can read mine. It's brilliant. And the look on Wilson's face, oh my gosh, if I could frame that and put it on the wall. I know. It's just comedy gold. It's beautiful. It's that, beautiful. That's how you do it right there. Uh, I also wrote down, speaking of technology, Zip Disc and 18 Zip Disc. <laughs> Love Speaking it. of Jerry Stiller, great bit where he calls the house to have his wife bring the zip disc. Yes. 
brilliant. Well, I like that he puts on the earpiece. He's just, I'm afraid of the radiation. It's great. <laughs> there are a couple of lines that are just so softly spoken that are brilliant, where yeah. one of them is like, you know, while he's speaking to his wife or he mentions the thing about, I'm afraid of the radiation. And he slips in his headset or when his prostate is inflamed and he's he's just, just give me a little pee pee. It, it's just, <laughs> it's so quiet. It's great. Yeah. he He's... Mm. He is an American institution. Oh, absolutely. You know, rest in peace there, sir. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I found was interesting. Um, Mugatu is left-handed. Yes, that is true. Isn't that weird? He, he does throw the, uh, you know, lapel or whatever you want to call it, the pin ninja star, pinja star. Pinja star. Yes. I'm, I'm copywriting that right now. I want to quarter every time somebody <laughs> says it. Um, no. Zoolander obviously had the falling out with his dad uh, earlier in the movie. And then the last scene that we're talking about here is the fashion show where they're going to have Derek assassinate the Malaysian prime minister and his dad in, you know, hard coal mining Southern New Jersey (laughs) is watching the fashion show at his neighborhood watering. I know. And I'm saying they're going, why? Why? Why are they watching this? Like earlier in the game, they're watch or in the game. Earlier in the movie, <laughs> they are watching a college football game. Right. But then, like, I get that they want to have some sort of resolution with him and his dad. It is. But then again, he never talks to his dad after the the breakup scene. No, and it's. I mean, I, I get. They it. want it for the audience, but it's not sure. for the character. Yeah, absolutely. Because I thought about that too. Because even John Voight gives a little glance around where it's like he doesn't want anybody in the bar to know that he's watching this on a TV that everyone can see. Exactly. <laughs> it's like it's not like he's the only one who can see. This. And it's like. Clearly, someone put it on that channel. Yeah. If, if we're talking about the hardened coal miners of South New Jersey, yeah, surely there's something else on TV, you know, that could be, you know, playing instead of the VH1 Fashion Awards or whatever it is. So essentially, there's a number of sequences there where they're switching the music on and off to try and get Derek to kill the guy Great versus sequence. not kill the guy, Love kill that. the guy versus not kill the guy. That fight between Owen Wilson and Justin Thoreau is yeah, breakdance fighting. I love it. Classic. Classic right there. Um, one thing that I wanted to point out about that sequence, um, you know, they finally stop him from killing the minister or the prime minister. Mugatu makes a move. Or I'm trying to remember exactly what the sequence of events is. Um, essentially, Mila Jovovich hops up on the runway, pulls her gun out. Like yes. she's going to shoot somebody. <laughs> yeah, somebody. Somebody shoots somebody, sure blah, who. blah, blah. And um, Hansel pulls out his yo-yo and flings it and wraps it around her gun and pulls it off. The thing that I noticed that I loved is that yo-yo is a payoff to his first appearance in the movie when he pulls up, puts his razor scooter in his backpack and pulls out a yo-yo and does, uh, I forget what the name of the trick is called. It's like the the swing or something like that. But anyway, just like that one little half second shot in the beginning of the movie is paid off later when he pulls it out and uses it to stop, stop the villain. Like it's a lot of clever stuff like that. That they didn't have to do. Like, they, you, no. you would have just believed, oh, this guy just carries a yo-yo because why not? He's a bohemian. <gasps> totally. It seems like it, on its surface, if you didn't know anything about this movie or even if you just knew a little bit about it based on the people that had seen it before, you would think that, like, it doesn't need to, there doesn't need to be any callbacks. It right. doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't need to be airtight story-wise. But it actually kind of is. What you just mentioned, actually... And maybe I just wasn't watching closely enough. So Hansel flings his yo-yo. Yes, wrap- Han Solo does do that. Did I just say that? Yes, you did. 
His Chewbacca, you know, his Wookiee sidekick, uh, you know, snarls so listen, at him Harrison pulling out Ford the shows up. <laughs> Oh, that's that's all kinds of wrong. Zoolander stops the assassination attempt, or you know, he stops from himself from assassinating him. Mugatu throws his pin to try and finish the job. Zoolander stops him with the secret look that he's been working on and mentioning the entire film. So there's another callback payoff that you didn't necessarily need, but there it is. Yeah. Um. Then honestly, after that, you know, he gets together with Matilda. They start the uh, Derek Zoolander Center for Children Who Can't Read Good. Great real estate, too, right next to the UN. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and they, the kind of ends on a commercial for him doing this. Mm-hmm. I swear those shirts and merchandise are all from Discovery Zone. I think they had really? the exact <laughs> same DZ. And I think that they just bought a bunch of Discovery Zone shirts that's and put really them funny. on these kids and said, yeah, it's Derek Zoolander. Yeah, it's, no, no, no. That's stuff. for Derek Zoolander. It totally is. That's a good bit with Han Solo. Yep, Han Solo. <laughs> and how Han Solo says that he's going to go base jumping with these kids. Off it the is George Washington Bridge. No fucking less. hilarious. <laughs> and then last one to the elevator, uh, elevator. Last one to the helicopter is a rotten egg. It's yeah, so fucking good. I love it. It's yeah. so silly, but it like it, all of the there's real um, consistency and effort put toward maintaining the characters for what they are. Yeah, there's not a lot of inconsistency in the characters themselves. Right. You know. Um, which I think is something that can happen a lot in a lot of these kind of more lighthearted comedies, especially comedies. I feel like of the like nineties and maybe early two thousands. And I'm I'm sure now like, but where it didn't need to have truthful and fully developed characters because you're just trying to get the joke. I mean, there's a bit like, like I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, me doing my old man caterwauling Mm -hmm. was that there was a bit more attention to heart, I guess is a lack of a better term. Right. Yeah. I mean, how many comedies nowadays would have a sequence like Tommy Boy where he comes home to see his dad get married and then he dies of a heart attack? I know. Um, you know, the same with, uh, well, I'm trying to think. Sandler didn't have too many moments like that. I don't know. I feel like, wasn't there... His, well, I don't know. Like he didn't, have, he didn't have like a big death. Carl Weathers dies in... Um, yeah. Is it Which Happy one is Gilmore? it? <laughs> yeah, is it's, it's, happy, it's Happy Gilmore. Okay, got it. I, I get, get them confused. Con- yeah, exactly. Because especially since they merged the names into the production company. I know. Happy Madison. So, sidebar, um, I hear that movie Click is actually a real heart wrencher. Oh, okay. Well. Surprising, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I haven't seen it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, just speculation. Okay, so I remember it coming and going and, yeah. and that, was, that was about I it. I feel like but. that's most of his stuff. I mean, everybody kind of just gets that, you know, he's making family movies now or he's making dumb movies with his friends. I don't know. I heard he should have gotten an Oscar nod from, for Uncut Gems. That's what I heard as well. Yeah, but I haven't watched it. But oh, We should add that one to the list. Cause, uh, There's no list. It's pitches. It's all up to fate. That's right. So speaking, spe- of, speaking of, I think we've covered enough of Zoolander. It's a modern classic. I'm going to say modern, even though it's 20 years old this year and I'm old. It's a winner. It's a classic. Yes. I think Robards, the whole family appreciates it. Yep. Stamp. Approved. Stamp and approval. Yes. So the, uh, the, the main shtick, I guess, of our show is that when we come to the end of an episode, one of us will blind pitch the other three movies and then the other one will pick one of those movies and then that's the movie we'll discuss the next week. Correct. Uh, so I guess just before, or you know, just kind of jumping right into this, I've got three options. So wait, hold. Uh, sorry, sorry. What am I missing? No, no, no. I was going to ask. So we mentioned last week. I told you beforehand what the theme was. That I will tell you afterward. Okay, great, 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 great. I did have a theme, but Perfect. I want to tell you afterward. Yep. Nope. 
Wanted to double check. All right. So pitch A. The kid from Newsies and the man in black brave a dystopian hellscape to face off against a larger than life challenge. Okay. Pitch B. Trevor Borden has an existential crisis while navigating the comings and goings of a neutered utopia. Okay. And Claire Danes' fortunate friend is at the heart of an unusual Capulet Montague feud and learns that her family isn't quite what she thought it was. Ooh. So the first one, can you read me the first one again? The kid from Newsies and the man in black brave a dystopian hellscape to face off against a larger than life challenge. So I want to say that that is Christian Bale and Joaquin Phoenix. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, okay. You got you to give me your pick and then I well, will okay, illuminate so, you. So that's the first one. If All you, right. Yeah, if you want me to. You want me to go through B and C? Go through B and C again, and then I will pick, and then I... Well, I don't even know if I can guess. Those are really well written. Go ahead. So, pitch B. Trevor Borden has an existential crisis while navigating the comings and goings of a neutered utopia. And then pitch C. Claire Danes' fortunate friend is at the heart of an unusual Capulet-Montague feud and learns that her family isn't quite what she thought it was. I'm going to go with... Oh, I'm so interested. So the first one, like I said, I think I maybe kind of figured out a couple. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, the second one, I don't know who Trevor Borden is. I don't know if that's a character, or if that's something. You don't don't tell me. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, not until after you pick. Claire Danes, fortunate friend. So that's interesting because that could either be that Claire Danes is in the movie and there's a character that she's friends with, or it could be a reference to her in another show or series, and a friend from that is in this movie. Ooh. You know what? I'm going to go for a wild card because I, I really don't have any idea. I'm going to go with B. You're going with B. The movie is Equilibrium. Ooh. The uh, Trevor Borden is a mishmash of two of char- Christian Bale's character names uh, from The Machinist and The Prestige. I <gasps> smashed his first and last names together. Cross those two. Got it. So, uh, Option A mm-hmm. was Reign of Fire with Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. The Man in Black, while also a reference to Johnny Cash, yes. was a na- reference to the the Dark Tower, the the bomb from several years ago, but Matthew McConaughey played Got the it. Man in Black. And then option C was Underworld. Claire Danes' fortunate friend is, is Kate Beckinsale, who is in the movie Broke Down Palace, which was <gasps> about the girl that went to yes! Mo- Thailand and got thrown in prison. But her friend, Kate Beckinsale, got out. Oh, shit. Those are very well written. <laughs> I like this so much. Oh, my God. So my, my theme was 2000s action movies. It's great. Because we'd mm-hmm. done a 2000s comedy and a... Uh, Mila Jovovich. Well, see, part of me was thinking about swapping out Underworld for mm-hmm. Ultraviolet because of, first of all, it was a 2000s action movie. Right. Second of all, it had the Mila Jovovich connection. Sure. But I, I couldn't, couldn't in right mind replace right. Underworld with that. So, Ooh, damn. so we have Equilibrium, the uh, sci-fi actioner with Christian Bale, Tay Diggs, and Sean Bean. 
Seen Bina's in it? <laughs> oh man, I'm excited. What I the first one, Reign of What? What was it? Reign of Fire. So is that the dragon movie? Yes, it is. Fuck. I had a feeling that that's what it was, and I I because I have not seen it, but I do like dragons. And damn. Spoiler warning, that's Matthew McConaughey's best performance in my mind. Oh, really? It's so un-Matthew McConaughey oh, so that I that's love why. it so much. Interesting. Well, I'm still excited to maybe see... I'll, maybe I'll remix that one and, and throw it back into the, the mix sometime. I'll so have that's to what I was going to say way. when I was saying that uh, every week I'm going to yeah, pitch... Yeah, I got rejected. Just come up with something different if you really want to put a movie in there. As long as it's not one we had talked if about before. If we're just going to watch... The Fifth Element, week after week, you just have to think of a new way to pitch it. Yeah, exactly. That's it. The onus is on us. uh, You know, another however long of uh, discussion topics. All right. Next week, equilibrium. All right. Well, this has been uh, Storage Room Movie Boom. Yes. Yes, it has. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Goodbye, everybody. Peace out. One more thing, everybody, if you can remember to subscribe, rate, and review, uh, it really helps us uh, get out there and meet other fucking nerds. All right. Bye-bye.